Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Today, I'm chatting with actor and singer Jim Newman. In addition to a lengthy Broadway resume that includes Hands on a Hard Body, Curtains, Minnelli on Minnelli, Steel Pier, Sunset Boulevard, and The Who's Tommy, Jim is also currently The Cowboy in a very iconic 70s, 80s disco band you know very well. We actually have several friends in common from my days in New York City working on Broadway, many of whom I've interviewed here on The Randy Report, including award-winning out-singer-songwriter Matt Zarley and Tony Award winner Billy Porter, but we'll get to that. Jim also works extensively in TV, film, and web series. In the past, I've mentioned here on The Randy Report several of my favorite web series, like the award-winning Hustling and this year's After Forever, currently on Amazon Video, written and produced by TV and Broadway actor Kevin Spiritus. And Jim just so happens to have been featured in both, so I've wanted to interview him for a long time. Another favorite digital series I enjoy is Daddy Hunt the Serial, which chronicles the story of Jim as the hunky, handsome daddy, Graydon, we'd all like to date, and his younger boyfriend, played by B.J. Gruber. I've been following the series since it began in 2016, and it's become a big hit all around the world. In addition to following the ups and downs of gay dating today, the series also incorporates some useful info for the audience. But I don't want to get too far into that because, well, Jim will explain much better than I. So let's chat with the oh-so-swoon-worthy Jim Newman. Jim Newman, this is Randy Slavacek. How are you? I'm good, Randy. I think we must know a thousand of the same people. Probably. I've been following you on on social media forever. I I don't know if we've ever met. I know you have a long uh, history and resume on Broadway with Hands on a Hard Body, Curtains, Minnelli on Minnelli, Steel Pier, Sunset Boulevard, and Tommy. I did see you in 2014 take the stage with the skivvies at 54 below where you in you your under, yes and you sang a medley about balls which i loved yes i did i, <laughs> I love skivvies uh, you I were just terrific you were such a good sport about the whole thing and you sounded great well if you follow my instagram underwear is not really something i'm uncomfortable <laughs> with <laughs> which is I'm awesome a, i love that yeah i'm very body positive i love that band too i just think they're it just it's, first of all um, they get everybody in the underwear, so it just sort of the uh, take ourselves seriously edge off of anybody who performs with them, which I which I, I love. So I love those guys. My listeners know that I I have a famously short attention span, and so when <laughs> web series b- began like eight years ago or so, I was like, oh my gosh, you mean like eight minutes and I'm not trapped here. And, and I always oh, just, because a mo- I'll tell you, Jim, a movie with my husband, I, I just feel like I'm really committing to two hours here and it's a lot. I feel trapped. So I love web series and you've been featured in two of my favorites, Hustling, which was so fantastic. And this year, after forever with Kevin Spiritus and my dear friend, Jamie Stern, Jameson Stern, excuse me, his professional Jameson name. Stern. Yeah, we worked together too. I did the show off Broadway called Musical. So Hardy knew Jameson, too. He and I did a famous off-Broadway flop called Choices, the musical, 
which was just <laughs> terrible. I but did it, the title already funny. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, I think as an actor in New York, uh, it's very important that you have on your resume an off-Broadway flop at some point to show that you paid your dues, I think. Yeah. I had them on off and, and on Broadway. <laughs> I like to have them spread my flops around. <laughs> and regionally, of course. I want to talk about Daddy Hunt the Serial because we just got season three. We've gotten two episodes. A second episode dropped yesterday. I've been following this from the beginning. You're the star of the of the show. Uh, you play Graydon, a hunky daddy that we all want to date, except I'm older than you are. And you have a younger boyfriend, Ben, played by the oh-so-cute B.J. Gruber. Tell yes. me about the, the, the experience of doing this series because I think it's great on a number of levels, and I think you're terrific in it. Oh, that's, that's sweet of you. It's funny. I love for you to hear people describe it as the dad of y'all want to date because I think a lot of people describe this as the, the boy that every daddy wants to date oh. <laughs> because BJ's, BJ's beautiful. So it's nice when you spin it in my direction. That actually, that's actually nice to hear. It was a weird thing. I think actually Ray Sally, who wrote it and, and directed, co-wrote it and directed the first season, he found me on social media for the audition. I'm not sure which platform, if it was Instagram or Facebook or Scruff, I, mean, I can't remember exactly. They were looking for daddies to come and read, but I don't know. And it was probably Facebook because it's because he would know my I was an actor. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a dating app, and they told me to look at the old Taster's Choice cereals. I think they were in the 70s, which was the television commercial for Taster's Choice. Uh, each commercial pushed the story forward. So I looked at that, and when I got there, they told me it was for something called Daddy Hunt. And, <laughs> and I was just like... Oh, here, here. I guess I'm in that phase now where I'm daddy, whether I like it or not. So I read for them, and the script was really well written. Obviously, you've seen it. It's, it was it was, um, it was sweet, you know? So we shot it in a day, like Gorilla. You know, we shot it in Carl's apartment, who, who wrote and produced it, who owns Daddy Hunt the app, and, uh, you know, trying to be quiet so the neighbors have no permission from the building or any of that kind of stuff. I don't know. I actually thought it was going to be a little too romantic for a, a dating app. My experience with I mean, we use the word dating apps, really. (laughs) Hook up, hook up app. Thank you. My experience with those, right. My experience with those are you show sex first, you know, a guy in a locker room and a jock strap, which is what they've done before, you know, those were the kinds of images that draw people to these kinds of apps. So this kind of sweet, actual romantic story, I was like, you guys, I mean, it's sweet, but for an app, I just don't think it's going to, well, I was obviously wrong. So then we shot it in a day. I mean, Ryan's a, a really good uh, film editor, so and they used a really good car, got a really good camera crew, so it, was, it looked beautiful. And it was, I was like, wow, that looks amazing. They put it out there, and it just sort of took off. I guess it took a temperature of the promiscuous gay community who apparently still want to fall in love like everybody else. You know? Absolutely. And they just sort of latched onto it, and then it, now it has a you know a whole life of its own. It's in season three now, and it's a short movie in the festivals. And, I think they're going to try to put this one in festivals. I, it's the craziest thing because, you know, I've done all the Broadway shows and band village people. But what I get recognized everywhere, I mean, and literally all over the world, <laughs> because it's all over the world now, is from this little seven-minute you know, web series. It's a crazy world. But I think you hit the nail on the head. I think we all have a short attention span. So if it's a seven-minute investment for the entire season of the show <laughs> – the people are—they call it snackable content, which, which is, I don't know. You probably heard familiar. I, I wasn't familiar with that term, but they actually look for that now. That's what we are—we're snackable content. <laughs> and quite snackable, may I say? 
Um, well, you know, <laughs> the other thing that's happened with it now is I know in season two, Carl Sandler, who owns Daddy Hunt, the app, also brought in the folks at Building Healthy Online Communities, BHOC. And so to like kind of make it not an infomercial or kind of instructional video or something, but I guess the idea was that they wanted to bring a little more information or something. So like I think in season two, they talked about getting tested, the, the importance of it with, yeah. and they incorporated in the script so that it didn't seem like, hey, we're talking to you kids. Yeah. Right, yeah. You know, it was, it was useful that, that that was incorporated. Now, this season, I know in the first two episodes, they've talked about people accidentally maybe passing on an STD and having to make that dreaded phone call right. to someone and say, hey, um, you might want to go get tested. Yeah. Well, I, from my understanding, you know, when it when it got bigger, when it blew up, obviously, I think BHSU contacted them because they saw this as an opportunity because people don't really watch infomercials. I mean, they're just boring. And they certainly don't watch them on, on YouTube, you know, those get tested unless someone does it in a way, you know, like the guy, the famous one with the guy making guys putting a condom on his hard penis. Well, that one, yeah, that one made the rounds. Everyone saw that. Generally, just someone standing there with their face. People don't generally watch them unless they're done and funny. So they decided to try to reach those people, you know, these younger kids who are posed pre-AIDS and have no fear into some sort of education or at least a dialogue i know that like season two the dialogue we really was because we did actually shoot infomercials and when they gave commercial right because my character has a stance that i'm just old school i just prefer condoms because of stds etc but the, that wasn't my infomercial the infomercial really was about having educate yourself then have a conversation about what you're comfortable with with that person whether that means no condom i'm on prep or no, I still prefer a condom. Which, and I was, you know, I'm from a generation where there was no conversation. It's just a condom. That's just it. <laughs> There's no option. You know, it's abstinence or condom. So it's very interesting to me that that is actually the conversation now. Like, as long as you're both honest with the other person about this is what I'm comfortable with, and I've had these conversations now. People, they're, you know, ripped from the headlines where someone says, yeah, especially if you go to Europe where they don't have prep in all those countries, they're still wearing condoms and. uh they're just not comfortable, even if you're undetectable, which is another term that a lot of people don't know what that means, really. So they just decided to work them into the story because they're actually in our community's dialogue. They just are. Well, you know, when I speak to young people, now I say young people, I still think I'm 27 in my head. But when I talk to 20-somethings now, when they talk about sex, often I, I have friends who are like a little coy about it, and they say, condoms, what are those? And they think they're being cute about it. But I'm right. of your generation where it was just condom people, condom, <laughs> just condom. Yeah. These people are on prep, and they, the young people, a lot of them do know the idea that undetectable equals untransmittable, which is the, the message from the CDC. I think it's just terrific, and it has a great feel. But I will tell you one thing about this season. I am not having your friend, Andrew. He has an agenda, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think this season, I don't know if you've got it picked up. This season, we found out he's just obviously still in love with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's and he's going to break but up Gordon my... and Ben. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
I think Graydon very clearly is not going to ever leave anyone for him. Uh, <laughs> if, that, if we break up, it would not be because of him. My, you know, it's interesting. My take on this season, which I brought up in, in rehearsals, was my storyline is really about telephone trust, which is also something that is not going away. Every relationship I've had now it's, it deals with that. <laughs> Who did you friend? Why did you friend that hot guy? Who was that? You know, it's just part of our lives now. We just have to work it into dealing with our relationships. But I said to them, I was like, well, if, if – if he wants to build trust, why didn't he just say, oh, Chris, it's just his girlfriend from high school. No, no need to worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for sure, it was like I bade him. And that was so – I was talking to – I was doing an interview the other day, and they were like, yeah, I didn't quite – I didn't totally understand that. I was like, yeah, I, I, I didn't totally get that when we, were, when we were there either. But I think what we decided in, in rehearsal was that he had been acting jealous before this Chris call, and then it was bothering me. So either I was secretly, subconsciously wanted to teach him a lesson or just wanted to – catch him to show how he's not trusting me but unfortunately i don't know if you totally get on that story so it's gonna be interesting to see how the audience reacts to that i will tell you that crossed my mind too i'm like well you know Graydon is just so wise he would have said hey honey it's just an old girlfriend but then the you know the episode would be over and won't 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 and you wouldn't have the mistake identity of Chris, which is also a running theme in these little shorts it's mistaken identity issues so that was they're more concerned with that what also comes into play with with this season and like checking the phone is you know dating in the new millennium well i can't say that anymore we're 18 years into it but but now that we have <laughs> smartphones and we have the internet and we have dating apps and i know people who have checked people's phones i know people who have checked their partner's browser history you know, like 20 years ago we didn't have browser histories we didn't have smartphones no no, you found a number that fell out of a pocket. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's how we dealt with it. Whose number is this? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how that got there. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because my actor, I shot this first season, the very first season. About three months later, I met a guy who was half my age, <laughs> and we were together for two years. We actually didn't have a tumultuous relationship at all, but there was the issue of the phone. It became part of, especially because of my online presence is, is my business. Literally, and so I get a lot of Indonesian guys sending me their business, you know. So, uh, <laughs> I have to, so it'll pop up, you know, it won't pop up on a message on my phone, but I have to answer my fan mail. Obviously, I don't really answer those. Uh, I do have to answer my mail, and so it was an issue for him. He knows it's my business, and he knows he can't control what other people say, but it still was very, very uncomfortable for him to have a boyfriend who does with social media, and uh, it just is it's a part of our culture now. I mean, we had to make rules like phone down at dinner, put the phone down. You know, you, you actually have to work into relationship rules now. It sucks, actually. And when you say phone down, you mean phone face down because you never know what might pop up at dinner and it might be one of those photos yeah. coming through. Right, and you keep it on silent. And yes. That's the other bizarre thing about Daddy Hunt that's changed my life because I, you know, my fan base is Broadway and Village people. Okay, those people are older. They're barely on Facebook, you know, so we didn't have to deal with you know, Instagram with those guys or, or, you know, Snapchat or even really Twitter. Then this blew up and all of a sudden I had a huge Instagram following. And now my Instagram is, you know, literally pays me health insurance. So it became actually a legitimate business part of my, my income. So those are two things I want to talk about next. Thank you. You brought them up for me. You're an excellent interview. <laughs> the social media thing and the Instagram, you have over 75,000 followers on Instagram and you also have an OnlyFans.com slash Jim Newman NYC. For the people listening, that's where you go. 
which I'm fascinated <laughs> with. Because can you talk about that a little bit? Like one thing that I should tell people, uh, some people who may know about OnlyFans, a lot of porn stars use them and they post their own stuff and they make money and blah, 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 blah. You've made it clear, I think, on your Twitter, um, if you're looking for this, that's there. If you're looking for this, this that won't be there. But can you talk about that? And Yeah. I'll be really frank. What happened was I was with the Village People for the last five years. It was like it's my steady job. So I wasn't I wasn't able to do uh, Broadway because the runs were too long. So I would do little jobs here, daddy, you know, commercials, whatever here. But my primary source of income was the Village People. And let's talk about that real quick because we shouldn't ignore it. You are the cowboy in what used to be the Village People, but now I think you're called Kings of Disco, former members of Village People. Right. So that's basically what happened. I, I won't go into that whole – we got sued uh, the, by the uh, people who own the trademark of those people. They wanted to give to someone else over a money issue, and uh, we took them to court. We lost. But you still have this cool job. You're the cowboy. I had this amazing job. Except, uh gave that name to another group, so now there's another village people who took our booking agent. So, for instance, last year we had 70, 56 concerts. This year we've had 10. So what happened was, and it was just a corporate job because we got paid every week with the salary and you know 401k. Well, that all stopped in April. So for the first time in my life, I was forced with like, oh, I've got to pay for my health insurance. I, I literally am 54. I've never had to pay for my health insurance. So it's really not that cheap. So I can understand why everyone was so trying to push Obamacare. I really, <laughs> I am really got it. So what happened was someone had suggested. Start of what is it? What, what do we call it? What are we talking about? OnlyFans. An OnlyFans page, and then you can monetize your fan base. So I, I researched, and of course, almost all of it is either fitnessy or, or porn guys right. showing dick. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you can say that. I don't yep. care. I'm just going to talk, and then you can yeah, edit out yeah, what, <laughs> what you want to be. You know, so I was like, oh, is that going to put me in that lane? And then I decided. I researched more, and it actually was originally set up for people to show their work, their musicians and DJs. That's how it was originally set up, but the, the porn guys took it over. So I set one up for me where I take song requests from, the, from my fans, and then I play them on the guitar, usually in my underwear. If the chords are too hard, then I'll just sing in the shower. But I don't show my dick. I don't don't even really show my ass. It's just I sing them happy birthday on their birthday or private messages. And if I do a photo shoot that has too much skin for Instagram, you know, like it'll show pubic hair or sometimes my ass, I'll put those on there. But it's very, very, very tame. But the perception from a lot of people is, oh, Jim's doing porn now. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, at this, I'm 54. I don't really give a shit what people say, so they can say I'm doing porn. I, I don't really care. <laughs> I, I don't really care what that. people say about me anymore. You know, anymore. I, I know what I'm doing. So it's been sort of a, a life in this transition where I'm sort of in between theater now and uh and the band, because we still have concerts, but not enough to sustain a New York actor. So it's it's been a lifesaver for me, actually, fans only. But yeah, if you if you want to see my dick, you won't see it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you like my voice, I'll sing a song for you in my underwear. I love it. I, lo- I, I have seen you sing in the shower on your Instagram a couple of times, I think. But we never see anything. Is always the chest up for the listeners. It's fun, though. The thing about the OnlyFans thing, as, as I understand, is, is people like pay like $10 a month or, or a monthly subscription fee, but they expect content. Do you ever feel like pressure to come up with content? Ooh, I haven't posted something lately, or ooh, I need to. Yes, it is. All of it, including Instagram, is, a, is, is literally a business. I, ha- I answer all my fan mail because in- 
the algorithms change even on Instagram. So because I have some, I actually have some sponsors on Instagram. You know, like a a weight bodybuilding supplement and a couple of underwear that actually pay me. They keep changing their algorithms so people can't just buy numbers. So I have to interact and it, and I have to post at certain times a day, and it does skew up like a business. But I don't think uh, I, this is part of our industry is going to change because before all this happened. My manager was saying, you've got to get your numbers up. Just when I was just in Hector before those people, you've got to get your Instagram numbers up because Instagram is the number one measure of what an actor brings to an uh, audience, like how many numbers they have. For instance, if there's three of us down for the same part and the director puts three pictures in front of the producers, the money people, and they say, this guy has, you know, I had 1,200 followers, I think. This guy has 120,000 this guy has 400,000. Producer, who's just a money guy, sees that as dollar signs. That's how much dollars they're bringing to the theater. And if you only have 1,200, then it just it's really hard for them to pull for you. Yeah, so in casting, like, if you have the numbers, it helps you get the job. And also, I assume that they, they assume that you're going to be posting about the project. It's free advertising for them. It's free advertising for them, absolutely. And your audience follows you. And, and there's some truth to that because – well, I know there's truth to it because that's how I got a fans-only account. And I, I honestly, I owe it all really to Davion because that's what pushed me into another sphere because that's obviously a much younger audience, sort of a target gay audience for money. And now I have all these women because <laughs> oddly, I always wonder about older, these older women. And this is sad. This is not a good use of the internet. But the reason I got them is because of my age now, because the internet people steal my pictures and they set up fake profiles on dating sites for, you know, sort of lonely women. They go after them, and then they have all these pictures that I've posted, and then they say, I have this ch- I lost my wife, and I have this charity. If you, I love it. If you donate, it does really good things. And the smart ones, most of them do a reverse image search because, you know, he won't ever talk in person. He won't cam, you know. They get it. They get a – and then they find me, and then they send me a message saying, this guy's using your pictures. It happens about four times a week. But, I, you know, I'm nice to them and say thank you so much, and I'm glad you were smart enough to pick up on it. So now I have all these women that were dogged over by the pictures who know I'm a gay man, and they're like, well, at least he's a nice guy, and I can trust him. <laughs> so it's this really strange uh, awesome. combination of like, yeah, of like Indonesian penises, regular gay guys, and then lonely women who got scammed by a picture from some guy in Nigeria. Again, yet another problem we didn't have 20 years ago. <laughs> right. And the weirdest part is they don't, I guess for some reason, because it's Nigeria. They don't. They can't have just in cash. So they ask, which to me would be a very big red flag. They want iTunes cards. Oh. Can you send me two hundred dollars worth of iTunes cards? Oh I'm like, yeah, that would be a red flag for me. I don't. I think if I'm, I'm having this intimate online relationship and they wanted me to send iTunes cards, something about that is. Mm, yeah you know it is interesting too about the fake profiles like uh speaking of another web series that i loved uh where the bears are my friend ian parks is is a big part of that and every week i think he shares on facebook he's like oh another person stole my pictures and started another profile they also go after my fans to try to get them which is so stupid because they already know that i already have a different side but when they use really random names and like you know, Azumba Mayuna, you know, <laughs> literally, and then it'll have my pictures. It's like, um, you look like a Zumba can't he be called that? <laughs> I know. It's so strange to me. I'm like, and then they, sometimes they'll, they'll contact me, and I'm like, what? what? You're the worst criminal ever, you know? <laughs> so it's just, but that, I guess that is, 
you know, unless they actually commit a crime, plus it's international. So you have to get your government to try to work for the government. And it's it's almost impossible to prosecute these people. You just have to keep a watchdog on them and keep shutting them down. But My husband is a publicist, and one of his clients is Olivia Newton-John. And I oh, help her. handle her. She's great. She's just so awesome. I had a crush on her since I was a kid. That album, I played to death. And I got. To... And can I tell you, she's she's everything you want her to be in real life. Like you, we, as we all know, <laughs> so some celebrities aren't. And she's just a dream. And she's. Yes. And every now and then, uh, we get fans saying, "Is this Olivia?" Olivia reached out to me on Facebook. I'm like, "No, Olivia doesn't reach out to people." <laughs> and this one person keeps recreating her profile with the same pictures that we use in the same places. And then they're reaching out and they're asking, "It's a scam." And they're like, "I need you to pick up a suitcase of money and bring it to me." Or something. we're like, "Really?" And then Jim, the idea that these people reach out and go, "Is this Olivia?" I'm like, "Yes, she has a suitcase of money she wants you to pick up." Really? Yeah. (laughs) I tell these women, I'm like, because they keep getting, and I was like, when it happens again, torture them. Torture them. Waste all their time. Tell them you're sending them money. It's coming this Friday. And then when it doesn't come in, say, oh, my God, something happened. My water got shut off. So I was like, (laughs) just torture them. Waste all of their time so that it becomes so frustrating for them. Like you were frustrated and I'm frustrated that they give up and go into just – pickpocketing again. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you know that scam where they, they call you and they say the IRS is going to come to your door, you you owe money unless you wire us money. I'm the guy that, that keeps them on the phone for 15 minutes, and I, I like, I'm reading them a fake credit card, and I keep getting it wrong, and then I, I mispronounce words, and I'm like, oh, I thought you said bicycle. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Now, who is this again? And I just I keep that. them on the phone. I love it. Oh, my gosh. I have a have a, I purchased an app for my phone and it, it does that for people who call in tell them officers to get your number and call in it does you can choose there's one that's an old lady who can't hear who keeps saying what you know it's amazing it's an amazing app and then another one is someone with a foreign language who talks back to them but he speaks like in really bad broken english so they can't really understand <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> what an amazing app <laughs> Well, Jim, I thank you so much for having time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Before I go, though, we have a feature at Instinct Magazine where once a week the writers get to alternate. And we, we like to feature people and their Instagram, show these people off that we admire and that we like and we think are fun. And I'd love to do this with you. Could you tell me five things that no one knows about you or wouldn't guess about you? Well, I renovated my apartment from YouTube. I learned how to tile, do electricity. <laughs> I learned how to do drywall on youtube youtube changes your life it does doesn't it well i didn't get hair on my chest till my late 30s oh really that was weird yeah everyone thinks i'm like this bear and i couldn't couldn't grow a beard i was a really really late bloomer i dated women until i was 31 (laughs) that's three i need two more your favorite brand of underwear is i will say i prefer briefs boxers which is very rare for older men, but I did for a brief. I love Halloween. I literally have a picture, have a, a life-size skeleton sitting in my chair waving at me right now with lights <laughs> on him. I decorate like one of those 40-year-old women. I have a pumpkin, and I have cobwebs all over my house. I have bats. I have a skull. Do you really? I, I, yes. It's, I know it's crazy. People come over, and they're like, um, you look like you're one of those scrapbook ladies. <laughs> you're a single 50-year-old gay man. Your house shouldn't look like this. But I love, I love, I love the holidays. So I decorate like a, I decorate like a, somebody who has a craft room. <laughs> Thank you so much for having time to chat. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too. Thank you. I just think you're terrific. And 
and you come across so warm and friendly. I knew you are exactly who you come across uh, on social media. And having seen you with the skivvies years ago and talking to all my friends that know you, just when I mentioned your name to Matt, actually, he goes, oh, I know Jim Newman. And then he just <laughs> left it at that and like, oh, Matt, you just have to like start a story and not finish it. <laughs> actually, I saved Matt Darley's life. Did he tell you that? No. I literally performed the Heimlich. He was choking in Central Park on and a sandwich and turned blue, and I had to give him the Heimlich, and he went flying out. Oh, my God. I have to bring that up now. So we have a strong connection. <laughs> That's excellent. What a great story. I love Matt. Actually, I, I learned the art of – we're in a business, or at least in my family, I was raised where you don't you don't tout your own horn. You just do good work, and someone else has to do that. Well, we're in a different world now. You've got to start your own projects. You've got to – you got to say I'm good and let people know what you do. And Matt Zarley did that way before hardly anybody I knew. When he was getting his music career, he didn't have that. He was just like, no, I did this great album. I want you to hear it. He, you know. And uh, at first I was like, how does, he, how does he do that? But now I totally get how he did that. And now, of course, everyone's doing that now. But he did it way before I think a lot of us had the nerve to do it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, he's like my little brother. We we did I, – I, I always uh, say this this way. He and I did Cats together back when it was a good credit because uh, <laughs> we, we were like in, in, in the first big tour together. You did Cats. And um, we became like best, best, best friends. We were we were the little nerds who, after six weeks of rehearsing at 890 Broadway and opening up at West Point, and we, we, then we, we officially opened in Atlanta on tour, and we were there for like three weeks or something. Matt and Randy were the two little nerds who, on our day off, went to go find a dance studio in Atlanta so we could go take dance class because we want to go in. <laughs> like, we're that. so stupid. And <laughs> there we are going to this Dolly Dinkle studio in Atlanta on our day off and we're in cats I love that. it is true when he's working on new music if you are near him he's like oh have that have i played this for you and like he puts it right in front of you and and i agree <laughs> with you totally jim i grew up where you do good work and your work speaks for you and it really how naive is that now i hate to say it but i'm one of those it's people true. that no, i always true. thought that that's what we would do and now you do have to promote yourself you can't just put it out there and hope somebody walks by and sees it or something. So good for you for like getting out there on Instagram and, and OnlyFans and making your own opportunities because it's what you have to do. You have to do. And which is why I do when anyone calls, like, like I just shot this movie called Hiding in Daylight, which is a beautiful short film. It's by a first time lesbian director. I mean, she's done a documentaries, but you know, they're all like these SAG, you know, they're paid, very little, but it's all people. The same with hustling. The same with after forever. Friends who are like, I'm tired of waiting for doors to open. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to make some of my own doors. And so I'm super, super supportive of that stuff because it, the business has changed. We have to, we can't wait for it to push us into a room anymore because even the rooms are being opened by people on the outside. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They're, just, they're creating the rooms and they get picked up by Netflix or they, or you know, Amazon Prime, like after forever did. So we're opening our own doors now. Another one who I'm sure you know, I love his phrase. Billy Porter is so happy to use the phrase, you got to be a do-it-yourself bitch these days. <laughs> no one's going to do it for him. so Billy. I love Billy. Yeah, Billy and I used to live in the same apartment building in New York. This is back when he was on Star Search. Oh, yeah, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, he lived right downstairs for me. But it's true. It's true. You have to, do it. You have to be a do-it-yourself bitch. You just mm -hmm. have to. You do. You do. But thank you so much, Jim, for having time to chat. I really appreciate it. We will be following the rest of the season of Daddy Hunt, the serial, and I look forward to what you do next. Thanks. Take care, man. All right.
Talk to you soon. Bye. You can find all three seasons of Daddy Hunt the Serial on YouTube now. I'll have a link in the show notes. Plus, make sure you head over to Instagram and follow Jim there at Jim Newman NYC. And check him out at OnlyFans.com slash Jim Newman NYC. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news and interviews in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.